Welcome to the Mama Truth Show, where soulful mamas embrace the whole truth of the messiness and magic of motherhood. Check us out at mamatruthshow.com. Here's your host, Amy Ehlers, the Wake Up Call Coach. Happy Mama Truth Monday, mamas. It's Amy Ehlers here, the Wake Up Call Coach, back with another episode of the Mama Truth Show. And we're going to be talking today about raising our girls, raising our girls to really love the skin they are in. Oh my gosh, don't we want to love our own skin that we're in? First of all, mamas, like what? Yes, please. And of course, we want our girls. I know I want Evie Rose and Annabella to just love the skin they're in and just feel so good about themselves. So I couldn't think of a better guest to bring on today than the amazing Brie Mathers. Since launching Love the Skin You're In over 10 years ago, Brie has spoken to over, I think it's 100,000 young women across Canada, the United States, New Zealand, about mental health, media literacy, and mindfulness. She lives between Canada and Northern California, and she has spent over 3,000 hours on her meditation cushion. Just really let that sink in for more than 3,000 hours. She laughs at Amy Schumer, don't we all? I mean, hello, she's hilarious. <laughs> Bans and boycotts Victoria's Secret, holla, yes and wakes up inspired by teen social media activists that form her core team. Bree, thank you so much, darling, for being here with me. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Amy. I'm excited to be here. I'm so excited that you're here too. Okay, well, let's dive into it. Oh, I also just want to say your website address, which will, of course, be in the show notes, breemathers.com. Check it out. You have incredible talks that you're giving all the time at schools for especially tweens and teens right? Specifically. So we'll talk a little bit more about that at the end as well, but talk to us about how you got into this. I know you have a pretty interesting story yourself from your time as a tween girl. Yeah. So, um, when I was in high school, I had just won the second largest track meet in North America as a grade 10 student. And then I wound up with an eating disorder, anorexia. And, uh, went through a lot of pain and went through a long dark night of the soul with that. And when I came out the other end of that, it was with this fire in my belly to create a change for other young women and really to prevent suffering. It was, it really, there was a real, really empathic motivation to what I was doing. And I was really lucky because while I was in my recovery at the age of 17, I got to read Revolution from Within by Gloria Steinem, Beauty Myth by Naomi Wolf. those books were incredibly pivotal for uh, my burgeoning feminist consciousness and inspired me to to take action. So, um, you know, obviously the eating disorder itself, it's, um, it's not the focus of the talks that I do, but it is, it is definitely a big part of the inspiration for what I do. And as our culture has evolved, so that when we're talking about body image, we're not just talking about tummies and breasts and thighs anymore we're we're now talking about um young women feeling as though they are sexually attractive enough we're talking about vaginas being shaved or waxed or um surgically altered um the whole discussion around body image has changed so much um with the pornography industry and the plastic surgery industry having made such strides 
I just got chills the whole time that you were talking because, of course, I just think about my daughters and I think about the difference between my three-year-old who is still in that pure innocence running around, wants to be naked girl all the time and run around in her little, you know, undies with Peppa the Pig on them is who she's into right now, you know, (laughs) and then fast forward to my nine and a half-year-old who's in fourth grade but suddenly closes the door when she changes and checks herself out in the mirror every morning, right? And it's just a completely different experience. And so I'm curious what else you're really noticing. Like what's you, I feel like you have your pulse on what's going on, especially around tween and teen girls right now. What are you noticing aside from what you already just mentioned, but what are you really noticing? What are the thoughts, what's happening with our girls right now? Well, I think it's fair to say, Amy, that they're now going through at age nine what we used to go through at age nine, right? You know, for us, it was pretty much at the beginning of high school and being yeah. with all those older students and suddenly this whole new world, uh, you know, awakens. And because of social media being what it is, because of the media being what it is, um, because of having a, a generation of pop stars that dress like sex workers and not a lot of other really creative alternatives in, in that expression. Yeah. And, um, you know, some that, that are a departure from that, like Alicia Keys, like Pink. I mean, there are examples of pop stars that are kind of fighting back against the hypersexualization of women's yeah. bodies. But most of them are still gaining their power through this kind of faux feminist twerking it, I own this. And of course, that doesn't actually correspond with what the research tells us about self-objectification. So self-objectification is one of the themes that I cover in Love the Skin You're In, which is a 75 to 90 minute assembly that's school-wide for like, you know, three to 500 girls at a time. Um, I lost my train of thought for a second. So self-objectification is a key process whereby girls and women learn to think about and treat their bodies as as objects of others' desires. And young women have taken that in um, so much so, right? Um, And the unfortunate mental health repercussions of that, according to the American Psychological Association's task force on the sexualization of girls, is actually decreased condom use decreased sexual assertion, increased disordered eating, increased anxiety, increased depression. And so these um, young women that are, you know, winding up in um, sexual encounters at an increasingly young age are doing so through the lens of themselves kind of being there to serve you know, if it's a male-female relationship, being there to serve the guy's sexual interests, and it, and and she ends up ignoring her own. Okay, so excuse me while I go in the corner and weep for four days. <laughs> Just hearing that, it's like having a nine and a half year old. I mean, you're right. I I'm seeing things in her that I feel like I did not even talk about or think about when I was in fourth grade, and there it is. And what do you feel like as moms? Cause I know there's a lot of moms right now that are listening that are like, 
panicked about this and I can go into a panic about it too. And I teach self-love and I teach self-compassion. I teach all these things. But then when it comes to my daughters, of course, all of my own shit is going to rise to the surface of any of those things where I have any of my own insecurities are just going to be right there for me to be looking at. Right. <laughs> this is why motherhood is the best spiritual practice on the planet. It's our spiritual teacher. Jeez. But so, you know, what do you, what can you tell us as moms that we can do to help our daughters see the, their own worth and see, um, you know, and really cultivate a, an empowered sexuality because they're going to become sexual beings. Mm -hmm. so trying to just keep them away from all media and keep them away from it all is obviously just not going to work. Yeah. So what does work? Well, I'm getting chills now too, you know, listening to you and, and of course, you want to be cultivating an empowered sexuality. And I think an empowered sexuality is an embodied sexuality. Mm. And one of my favorite blog posts I read was this one mom who just responded to her daughter, you know, beginning that whole inner dialogue around self-effacement and self-abnegation. It was in response to the bombardment of this media barrage. Um, and she just took all of her clothes off in front of the mirror and got naked and started dancing with her daughter in the bathroom. Yeah. And, and it, it's wonderful to recognize that no matter what the socioeconomic interests that are at play in carving out how these young women see as moms, you still are the primary teachers of these young women. And in the end, you know, they are going to be modeling a lot of what they see and they're going to need to go through this cultural gauntlet which unfortunately has been kind of, you know, co-opted by the advertising industries. Um, and they are going to be impacted by the public pedagogy of media, which is, you know, incredibly pervasive. But the, you know, the power of being a mom, the power of actually embracing and loving the skin that you're in personally is, is incredibly um, remedial and helps to helps to foster that resiliency that's there. The other thing that's important to do is be their ally. And Jean Kilborn does a great job of talking about this, especially for the moms that are listening who have younger girls. Her book, So Sexy So Soon, is a really wonderful read. And she goes into great detail actually doing a step-by-step -step conversation between a mom and her seven-year-old daughter who's in the bathtub and has decided that she wants to go on a diet. And she talks about how that mom, you know, responded to her daughter in a way that positioned her as an ally rather than freaking out and pushing back and saying, oh, no, 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 no. She explored the terrain in which, and the climate with her daughter in which that kind of wish would even begin to arise. And so that creates this really wonderful safe container for continuing the conversation, which is what girls need. In cases of eating disorders, um, my favorite researchers in the field are Dr. Richard Kripe and Dr. Mary Tantillo, and they're out of University of Rochester Medical Center. And their research shows that eating disorders are actually diseases of disconnection. And that disconnect happens both interpersonally and it happens intrapersonally. So if you can maintain that sense of connection with your child by allowing this open forum for sharing, um, wherein her, her spirit doesn't get shut down inside of that, right? And wherein she can feel safe sharing with you you know, the self-loathing that, that starts to come on that is, you know, 
unfortunately, I think that that has become a rite of passage for so many girls into into this culture that we have, you know, especially when it comes to their bodies, because the female body has been, you know, such a such a site um, for advertisers to to target. Um, And they've been able to do that with with great efficacy. And unfortunately, it's had a real impact on, you know, young women's sense of health and well-being. You know, it's interesting. I um, went and saw the movie, the film Embrace. Mm-hmm. And, um, and one of the, there was a photographer that was featured in the film that, um, you know, does photo shoots of women and real bodies. So no airbrushing, no makeup, like just real women's bodies. And she has this great picture book called the bodies of Mo- of the real body of moms or something like that. And so I was, I didn't want to take my daughter to the film because I hadn't watched it yet. And I'm really glad I didn't because it was definitely not appropriate for a nine and a half year old, mostly just because there was so much emphasis on plastic surgery. And I just was like, ah, but I, what I did do is I bought that picture book and I brought it home and I said to Annabella, I'm like, I want to show you how real women's bodies look. And so we looked through that book together and there's women that are like, powerhouse yoga women that with these muscular like amazing bodies and there's women that have really big poochy you know bellies and then there's women with stretch marks and there's women you know there's just like real women you know and I was like I want you to know that this is what real women's bodies look like like what you see in the magazines what you see on tv like even on tv now they're airbrushing there's so much makeup on them like it's crazy none of that is real mm-hmm. and it's so great because all the time often I will catch Annabella. I keep it in my office underneath the stack of books because she doesn't want to be embarrassed by her friends coming over, which is fine. But I'll catch her in there just looking, like just thumbing through the pages and just drinking that in. Mm-hmm. And I just feel so grateful because what a counterbalance to the images that she is seeing every single day. Yeah. It, you know, and so I feel like educating our girls about like giving the media literacy mm-hmm. is so important. Can you give us some tips for how to do that and educate our girls about that? Well, I think it's great to have parties even, you know, you can make the mother daughter parties, or even if you just have your daughter bring over her friends and then grab some magazines and start to go through the magazines together and deconstruct the advertising and say, what do you think this advertiser is selling? Why are they using this particular you know, vantage point? Why are they using this body? You know, what are they trying to elicit in us from a feeling standpoint? And just build that critical media, critical media faculty in them so that they're learning to see and think critically. The really beautiful thing about young women at that age that I've found is because their brains are so plastic and and they are so um, malleable and impressionable, you can actually make that work for you. And I have girls in my talks that literally walk out of that room saying, you know, this inspired a 180 degree shift in how I see myself and what I'm going to stand for in the world. And I'm excited to go out there and use my voice. And I'm going to ditch this, you know, inner mean girl dialogue, you know, and, 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 and get out there and start striving for social change. And, and that's the beautiful thing, right? You've got this bandwidth inside of your head. And if you are filling, if they're filling their bandwidth with negative thoughts, then, you know, that can have a crippling effect on them in the long run. But if we're gently nourishing and guiding them towards 
here, here's what it is to be an activist and how wonderful it is to use our voices as activists in the world and, and to really like really uh, fertilize that beautiful seed, right? Then the attention has a place to flow. Mm positive and generative for them yeah Um, and so if they can as they're coming into their identities as young women uh, if that can happen in conjunction with understanding themselves as a change maker whose voice and imagination is much more potent and powerful than being eye candy then i think we really have a shot at inspiring you know the next generation of female leadership and a softer world I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it. And I, and I know that there are, you know, a lot of moms that are listening that have teenagers, for example, we had one of the Mama Truth Circle members that wrote in, um, how would Brie recommend we navigate keeping a bond with our teens while also helping them to prepare for adulthood and have clear boundaries in terms of academics, social situations, sexual relationships, and all the other messiness that can come with raising a teen girl? Yeah. Yeah. Well, obviously, <laughs> keeping that conversation open and safe is definitely the best strategy. In terms of girls and sex, I love Peggy Orenstein's book, of course, Girls and Sex. Um, and she points out in that, um, and it's similar, In I'm from Canada, right? So our uh, education that we get there as a socialist country is similar to what they're getting um, over there. But she pointed out the fact that... Um, girls are taught equally about the risks and the pleasure and the joys of sex. And it's really important that, that they are taught that. And since there is often no sex ed in the U.S., unfortunately, we have a whole generation of young people who are getting that sexual education from pornography. So in mainstream porn sites do get more hits monthly than Netflix, Amazon, and Twitter combined. This is a serious thing. The first thing that they're seeing is often gagging. It's often very violent. Um, The girls are internalizing this and and thinking of themselves as sexual beings in that way. And boys are, you know, thinking of girls that way and thinking of themselves that way. And that's disastrous. That's got a disastrous um, consequence. We have the inner wisdom calling. Yeah. Letting us know. Yes, this is so important. Highlighting this point. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, c- keeping that kind of conversation open and happening and alive. And you know, another big thing is um, screen time and cell phone time and social media use. And and I think it's good to move slowly in terms of giving young people um, access to phones and how much time to spend on phones. I think it's good to keep the password to say, you know, to create a family account on Snapchat or Instagram to start with, and then you use it together and you make the funny faces together and you do that for your whatever 20 minutes a day, and then you put it away and watch the special that was just done on CNN a week or two ago that was all about how these Silicon Valley platforms have a vested interest in creating addiction to these machines and to these platforms, okay? They go in there and they have a social scientist, they have a neuroscientist, they have a psychologist, and they're all watching the eyeball time that the girls are giving to these applications and then, you know, measuring it. And that's one of the things that I share with the girls. You think you're the consumer of these apps, but you're not. You're actually the product and you are being 
bought by the advertisers who are paying the platform for your eyeball time. And so it kind of like helps to give another spin on the issue. But often by the time I get in there, they're already completely addicted mm-hmm. to their phones. Um, you know, by middle school, they're addicted to their phones. So I, I strongly suggest emphasizing getting out in nature, family time, um, family channels in terms of those platforms, delaying delaying the the phone interaction. And I know that that comes with with conflicts and challenges. Um, I think that around phones, you need to be having the same discussions that you have around alcohol and substance use uh, as you have around healthy healthy sex. In terms of the discussion on sex, I always reference what my mom did with me, which was when I was, I I guess, somewhere between grade eight and grade nine, she gave me the Valley of the Horses to read, which is the second book in the Clan of the Cave Bear series by Jean M. Owl, which is loaded with wonderful, juicy, loving, connected sex scenes. And that book was my opening to what healthy sexuality and intimacy and connection with a partner should feel like. And so my first experiences of you know, having those sexual feelings in response to, you know, the material that I was ingesting were very positive, very loving, uh, very consensual and mutual. Um, So that was the book that my mom chose. There's also a new book that um, my contemporary and colleague, Jamia Wilson, um, who's just an incredible, um, she's the executive director of Women Women Action in the Media, I believe. Okay. Um, There's a book I believe it's called the V word. Um, I'll have to double check on that with okay. you. But she is one of the contributing authors, and it is stories of consensual sexual experiences that you know that you know a group of women all collaborated to bring this book into being. And so that's another kind of really beautiful book. The other thing that builds resiliency in terms of the prevention of eating disorders, which is very powerful, is the actual one of the greatest determinants of a young woman falling prey to an eating disorder is actually the father-daughter relationship. And so girls that have that strong father-daughter relationship tend to be more resilient. And that makes sense, right? Because you have this dominant culture that is teaching them to experience themselves through the male gaze as an object of male desire. So if you have their primary male role model standing up, always giving them a message about getting out there, being active, staying physically active, that, that also, also sure that she's beautiful and that she's perfect just the way she is, but more importantly, that she has a brain and that she has creativity and that she has social contribution to make and that her daddy loves her unconditionally. All of those things are incredibly, incredibly potent. So while we talk about moms as being kind of like the primary teachers and role models, this is very true. It's also important to recall, you know, remember the other side of that dynamic. And if it's a split family situation or if the dad has taken off, then that there be another father-like figure in her life that is standing here, stand a stand-in, you know, and 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 playing that role, you know. So powerful, and I really get like when I think about my relationship with my dad, who's my biggest fan, my biggest supporter. You know, he's just one of my favorite people on the planet. You know, and I really see how, as I was growing up and and through my adolescence, how. I always could return home that he was my safe place, that he was a stand for me, that he was 
loving me and really showing me what love was like Mm -hmm. as a woman to be valued for who I am, for who I am, not for what I look like, but for who I am. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, that, that is so powerful. Um, I would love for you to give us, um, a reading list and I can post it for everyone because you've mentioned some really great books. Yeah. Some of them I read, some of them I haven't, and I'm really excited to, to get that list because I know that you have a list like that. Sure. What, what do you feel like? I know that we're starting to run out of time, but I'm, I'm curious if you could give moms, you know, one distinct message about, you know, what to, what we can do to really help our daughters love the skin that they're in. You know, I've heard you say, obviously keep it being an ally keeping that line of communication open, being someone that our daughters can go to when things are going on. And I I think that that is so valuable and so powerful. And it's so easy as a mom to try to shut down the situation and the conversation because you just want to say, what are you talking about? That's insane. Like, why would you? But, but, uh, you know, I remember very distinctly in the book that you were talking about too, so sexy so soon around that conversation. And I had something like that come up with my daughter and I was like, breathe, breathe, breathe. (laughs) Let her talk about it. Just hold space for her. Just let her talk about it. And then once she'd gone up to bed, then I called, you know, a friend of mine and bawled my eyes out and was like, Oh my God, like, why is this happening? She's so young, you know, but, but it was like in the moment you have that impulse to just be like, that's crazy. What are you talking about? But instead of we can back off um, and really hold space for them to have the experience that they're having, having and shit and, and, be able to have the space for them to really share their experience. Mm-hmm. And hopefully the next time something else comes up, mm-hmm. they'll continue to share their experience with us. Mm-hmm. Is there any other like really big message that you have for moms so that they can raise girls? Keeping a sense of humor. <laughs> because when you're laughing as a family, mm-hmm. there's not as much space for mental health issues to fester, right? When yeah. you have great vibe and when it's time to make dinner everybody's in the kitchen and the music's on and you're dancing and you're you know having fun and pitching jokes at one another that vibe is is the vibe in which mental health flourishes right so I mean I would actually say keeping your sense because when you're laughing there's not a lot of room for anything else to be happening there right I think that's really big your own self-care practices are really very big. And those self-care practices, you know, that create more joy and spaciousness, you know, in your own life, but also your daughter witnessing you caring for you. And maybe that's that you go and you take a personal retreat a couple times a year for a weekend, or you go away with your girlfriends, or you take bubble baths a couple nights a week, or, you know, you go to yoga, you do yoga with your daughter, maybe. Um, yoga is one of those things, by the way, a lot of the uh, national conferences on eating disorders actually are keynoted um, through, conver- you know, keynoted with a conversation about the positive impact that yoga has on body image. Um, Because the science shows us that because with yoga, you're getting into your body, um, it, it just, it opens the heart, it massages the organs, it's a form of activity and exercise that, that, you know, it's harder to like, be thinking in your head about calorie counting when you're like blasting your heart open, you know, it's a really, really, um, beautiful practice you know and you can you can do mindful moments as a family and and maintain that sense of like connectivity and and a a couple you know a couple more books which I'll put in the list but 
Compassionate Communication by Marshall B. Rosenberg. Mm. Um, great book for parents, really wonderful book for parents, especially as their kids are hitting middle school and high school, to be able to communicate with them in a really healthy way that mm. honors all of the needs and the feelings that are at the table um, and issues, requests around those things. Um, really great. Um, and there was another one that was just coming to mind. Slipped my mind now. Um, yeah, I lost that one. It'll come back when you make your list, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, I, I love it though, because I love having resources and books and things that we can read and dive into that can just help us navigate this. Because I know that all the moms that are watching and listening right now, we want to be there for our girls. We want to be there for our kids. We want to be able to raise them to be healthy. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things I say in my parent education presentations is if you're a dad, read the beauty myth with your daughter. Wow. Down with her at night before bed from nine to nine 30 every night and give her that time and show her that you care mm. and care about this issue with her and that you want her to know these things and prioritize that and prioritize that over the AP test scores and prioritize that over, you know, whatever is happening athletically. Prioritize her social emotional learning because that is what is going, going to carry her through life. You know, all the studies on, on happiness and, and success are not about kids going to Ivy League colleges. You know? The stories on happiness and success are about love. Yeah. So remembering that and keeping that forefront inside of this American culture that is, you know, pushing everything but, you know? Yeah. So I know that there's probably moms that want to have you come to their daughter's schools immediately. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about how you work with schools and the best way for people to get in touch with you. Because I know that I'm like, I need you to come to Annabella's school. It goes all the way through eighth grade. So, Oh, terrific. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's wonderful. Yeah, so it is, moms have been the champions of Love the Skin You're In in the United States in particular. Because in Canada, you know, things are structured a little bit differently. You can call a school and get a booking. In the U.S., it tends to take the mojo of the moms. Um, and moms have been coming together in teams. Like there's a team working in Arlington, Virginia that has brought this talk into several high schools and they're bringing me back to do two more talks in June there. Um, the moms come together, the moms talk to the principals, sometimes the moms fundraise, sometimes they write letters to the school district saying why this is so important. Yeah. They, they make the connections inside of their communities and the moms are actually the ones to make it happen. So if, if you are a mom that's listening and you would like this message to come forward, check out the website, look at the testimonials. And um, it's just, it is the, the talk itself, love the skin you're in, just it at, in its most breathtaking moments is a transcendent experience for young women because it unites them in this conversation about the universality of our experience of this culture together. And it offers sisterhood and sovereignty and solidarity as the way through, right? So that we become the embodiments of the sisterhood and of the solidarity. And that is always going to be stronger than whatever the culture is throwing at us. And when you do that by uniting four and 500 girls in the room together, and they all get that message together, the school culture changes. Yeah. And one example is um, I presented at HB in uh, Arlington, Virginia. And before I came with Love the Skin You're In, body shaming was cool, slut shaming was cool. You know, there was, 
you know, the, the typical dynamics that are present in every high school, right? That's, that school is not alone by any stretch. After the talk, when we did the follow-up, when I was back there in March, we brought together, you know, a group of young women to talk about, so what was the impact? It's no longer cool to body shame or fat shame or slut shame. Now it's cool to lift each other up. One of the girls has started a, a body positive Instagram channel. She has over 200 followers wow. and other girls are contributing to that channel with pictures of themselves and how they've sort of overcome their own body image, you know, woes and struggles. Wow. And and what we've done is create this momentum and build this actual movement, you know? Right. So change is possible and actually creating the culture that we want to see, this culture of empathy, this culture in which we recognize that the most important part of any girl's body is her heart, <laughs> you know, because when she recognizes that, she's going to be self-loving and make self and life-affirming choices. And she's going to be loving and compassionate to the sisters around her. When we do that together and we recognize that, you know, the truth shall set us free. It's the real deal. We can do that together, you know, um, as a community of young women and young women take that on like there's no tomorrow. And it is beautiful to see the ripple effects. So yes, if there are, if there are moms out there that want to help build the momentum, there's a follow-up um, handbook for school clubs that moms could also use hmm. clubs after the talk itself. The talk can be just a wonderful catalyst for more discussion on the, on the topics to open up the conversation but, you know, that'll often happen. Um, yeah, just breenathers.com. Awesome. Thank you so much, Bree. And my final question, I always ask the mamas that are on the show, what's messy and what's magical about motherhood? But for you, what's messy and what's magical about life right now, my dear? <laughs> well, you know, I do mentor a lot of young women. Yes, I know you do. And, um, <laughs> and so... Um, what's messy and magical about that well being a witness to them on their journey is messy and magical yeah and um and holding that loving heart opened boundary space with them mm. you know is you know i can appreciate that that is the must be the ultimate challenge that that moms are facing yeah i feel kind of feel like the world or you know I have thousands of daughters from all these yeah. things I've done, you know. And yeah. if they also want to follow on Instagram or if they want their daughters to follow on Instagram, it's love the skin you're in dot official. Of course, it's love the skin Y-O-U-R-E-I-N dot official. Mm -hmm. um, that's our Instagram channel. And you can follow me on Facebook. I'm under Lindsay Bree Mathers and also love the skin you're in, source it from within campaign. Um, yeah, Bree Mathers under Twitter. Thank you so much, Bree. I so appreciate it. I'm going to carry this in my heart um, with me. And of course, there's no mistakes. I'm actually shooting and filming today from my parents' house, which is just interesting, isn't it? That then we're talking about all this. So, <laughs> of course. Really great having you on the show, my dear. Thank you so much for the incredible work that you're doing in yeah. the world. And thank for all you mamas, thank you so much for tuning in. Until next week, it's Amy Ehler signing off. Have a beautiful day and keep embracing the messiness and the magic of motherhood. Until next time, bye-bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening, mamas. Did you know that Amy has a new ebook out? It's called Sacred Self-Care for Moms, Seven Steps to Nurturing Yourself So You Can Be the Mom You Were Born to Be. 
And you can receive your free copy by going to sacredselfcarebook.com. That's sacredselfcarebook.com. And please don't keep the Mama Truth Show a secret. The biggest compliment you can give is to share the Mama Truth Show with your loved ones and write a review on iTunes. Until next time, keep embracing the messiness and the magic of motherhood.